hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm really happy to get back to a monologue. I have a few minutes. I want to share with you an exciting update. I believe this is a breakthrough. It's going to apply to each and every one of you. And uh, I am specifically doing this monologue because I'm going to combine it with an interview that's going to follow on a topic that most of our listeners have actually rated the top question that they have, and that is regarding shedding, shedding of messenger RNA and of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Now, the basis for this is uh, a paper from Claussen and colleagues from Harvard, now about six months old, estimated at that time that 94% of Americans had already had COVID, 97% of people have actually already been exposed to it by 3% may have not known they've actually had it. And then on top of that, we know from the COVID states program that 75% of Americans took one of the vaccines. So we're all loaded with the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Thankfully, most of us are fine. Our bodies have fought it off in the nasal mucosa and we had relatively little systemic exposure. However, severe cases, those who are more more frail and vulnerable, and clearly those with post-COVID or vaccine injury syndromes have too much spike protein in the body. Now, a paper under review by myself as first author, Cade Wynn as the middle author, and Brian Proctor as senior author, is proposing what we call base spike detox. Base spike detox, meaning uh, the spike protein is not digestible by human enzymes. It's getting stuck in the body, it's in tissues and organs. That's the reason why people feel sick. Based on the available preclinical and clinical data, which will be published in this paper shortly, we believe as authors that some over-the-counter nutraceutical supplements have clinical value. They have signals of benefit, acceptable safety, and well-characterized safety profiles that you can do this at home as an over-the-counter approach as you're working to get doctor's appointments and additional testing and care. Now, people would say, well, uh, you should do something else. And we'd say, well, fine, you can use N-acetylcysteine. One can use uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, prednisone, other agents. But the base, the base therapy ought to be base spike detox. And in this approach, we know that uh, we are working to enzymatically dissolve the spike protein, antagonize its deleterious effects on the body and let the body get rid of proteins. The body gets rid of proteins through what's called the reticuloendothelial system. Reticuloendothelial system. This is very important. We have to get rid of this protein. There are some other infections that install long-term proteins in the body that give people a lot of problems. Uh, One is Lyme disease, as an example. Another one is um, Helicobacter pylori. Uh, an infection in the stomach. So there are some infections that give long-lasting protein and other antigen problems in the body. You know, fungal infections are notorious for this, histoplasmosis, um, 
uh, blastomycosis uh, and others. So having said that, uh, what is base spike detox and why is it such a big deal? The first component of base spike detox is natokinase, N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-A-S-E. Uh, recommended dose is 2,000 fibrinolytic units or 100 milligrams twice a day. Now, the Japanese have done studies and they've ranged it from a safety profile perspective up to 80,000 units a day uh, before there's really a safety concerns. So we're well below a limit here where we would um, introduce uh, serious harm to the body. Natokinase is the uh, enzymatic product of the breakdown of soy by Bacillus subtilis natto, a naturally occurring bacteria. Now, Japanese have been eating natto for its health benefits for over a thousand years. For 20 years, they use natokinase as a cardiovascular supplement because it has anti-atherosclerotic uh, capabilities. It is a mild blood thinner, and they have applied it in carotid and systemic atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. So natokinase, 2,000 fibrinolytic units, 100 milligrams twice a day. That's the first part of base spike detox. The next is bromelain, B-R-O-M-E-L-A-I-N, 500 milligrams once a day. Bromelain is also a enzyme. It's a therapeutic enzyme. It's actually approved for use for wound care in the uh, European Union. It is a natural substance derived from the stems of pineapple bromelain, 500 milligrams a day. It also has data supporting that it can partially break down the spike protein like natokinase can. The third component of base spike detox uh, is not an enzyme. It doesn't break down the spike protein, but it does help mitigate some of the spike protein and spike protein fragments in the body, and it is called curcumin, C-U-C-U-R-M-I-N. This is a derivative of turmeric. It is similar to quercetin, but it's actually more powerful. The shortcoming of curcumin is absorption into the body in, in various tissues, so we recommend the nano version of curcumin, or liposomal is another option, but nano curcumin, easy to find, N-A-N-O, curcumin, C-U-C-U-R-M-I-N, 500 milligrams twice a day. Those are the three components of base spike detox. Uh, they're readily available, over-the-counter, inexpensive. It's not overloading you on multiple supplements because there's supplement fatigue. I know some people in naturopathic medicine take dozens and dozens of these. We think we can get it down to three that are easy to take twice a day because uh, none of these supplements last fully 24 hours in the body. We want the body to get uh, multiple chances at the therapeutic effect. Uh, we know, based on our clinical observations now working you know, three and a half years into this, that it takes a minimum of three months to notice any therapeutic effect. Do not expect to feel instantly better in a week or two. Three months minimum, and for most people who've had COVID multiple times or multiple exposures, I am suggesting six, nine, 12 month reassess at every three month intervals. It's not a big deal to be on these long term. Now, what are the caveats of base spike detox? The main caveat is with natokinase because it does have uh, an effect on blood thinning. So it should not be used in women of childbearing potential, not on contraception because it may cause bleeding and loss of a 
incipient pregnancy after implantation should not be used in pregnant women should not be used in breastfeeding women we expect it gets into breast milk and then finally should not be used in children now, where can you find these products you can find them anywhere where you uh, where you get your nutraceuticals and supplements whether it's a local uh, vitamin shop uh, online shopping clearly Amazon and the major online retailers for the spike protein, there is a formula that is widely available. It's affordable and probably the best in class, and it's called Spike Support. It's a nanokinase-based um, formula, and you can uh, find this at twc.health. Uh, and uh, Base Spike <clears throat> Support, uh, that Base Spike product for wellness company would need to be combined, in my view, with bromelain and the nano curcumin as i've outlined in this monologue so i'll provide more of this in the show notes base spike detox because as you'll see in the show for the rest of the show dr helene benoon who is our guest from marseille france i believe makes a compelling case that shedding is real it has real biologic effects and we need to take action so i am proposing a response with base spike detox i'm dr peter mccullough and this is america out loud talk radio the mccullough report so let's get real let's get loud on america out loud talk radio this is the mccullough report the wellness company is offering the signature series spike support formula The Wellness Company supports this formula because it's designed to remove spike protein from the body in its design, in terms of its mechanism of action. The accumulation of spike protein occurs because of repeated COVID-19 vaccination and COVID-19 illness. The spike protein stays in the body a long time, causes heart, brain, body tissue damage, as well as blood clotting. The spike support formula is designed to help the body catabolize the spike protein, begin to remove it through its natural mechanisms. It includes natokinase, the principal ingredient, 2,000 fibrinolytic units or 100 milligrams. Those are uh, equal in terms of uh, conversion. Selenium, 75 micrograms. Black sativa extract. 500 milligrams, Irish sea moss powder, 500 milligrams, green tea extract, 150 milligrams, and dandelion extract, 50 milligrams. Why the other ingredients? The other ingredients are designed to help block the spike protein's effect on tissues, help tissues recover and repair. It's the best we have now when patients are in need At this point in time, we can't make broad therapeutic claims regarding disease states, but we can tell you that this is reasonable in terms of supporting the body and helping the body clear spike protein and allowing your pathway back to better health. So go to twc.health and check out the spike support formula. You can use our promotional codes or go through our banner bars on our site to get promotional codes and discounts on your purchase. 
Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com. Seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. One of the biggest advances in nutraceuticals and supplements is healthy cell. And the healthy cell line is extensive. I typically focus on the microgel technology. Three major products here, Immune Super Boost, the Focus and Recall, and then the REM Sleep Supplement. Each one of these is complementary and they can uh, have a role, I think, in the health of your life each and every day. I know they do in my case. Many of you know, after COVID-19 twice, I spent almost the entire year in 2022 with an upper respiratory tract illness. Now, thankfully, and I've been diligent with the Immune Super Boost in the morning, followed by focus and energy, and then in the evening time, the REM sleep supplement. The microgel technology works, and boy, does it work fast. So go to our website, America Out Loud Talk Radio, Find the banner bar for Healthy Cell, click on it, and that'll take you to the site to get a discount on your purchase of all Healthy Cell products. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Hello, America. This is Dell Wilbur, inviting you to take a two-minute stroll through history with me on America Out Loud. April 2nd, 1513, near present-day St. Augustine, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon comes ashore on the Florida coast and claims the territory for the Spanish crown. 
Although other European navigators may have sighted the Florida Peninsula before, Ponce de Leon is credited with the first recorded landing and the first detailed exploration of the Florida coast. The Spanish explorer was searching for the so-called Fountain of Youth, a fabled water source that was said to bring eternal youth. Ponce de Leon named the peninsula, he believed to be an island actually, La Florida, because his discovery came during the time of the Easter Feast, or Pascua Florida. In 1521, he returned to Florida in an effort to establish a Spanish colony on the island. However, hostile Native Americans attacked his expedition soon after landing, and the party retreated to Cuba, where Ponce de Leon died from a mortal wound suffered during the battle. Successful Spanish colonization of the peninsula finally began at St. Augustine in 1565, and in 1819, the territory passed into U.S. control under the terms of the Florida Purchase Treaty between Spain and the United States. This is Dale Wilbur, and this has been a two-minute walk through history on America Out Loud. Dr. Peter McCullough, your host on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This interview is in our Profile in Valor series, and I've invited to our virtual studio, Dr. Ellen Banoon. And she's coming to us today from France. She has a storied career as a previous research fellow at the famed INSERM Institute in France, and she's done a tremendous amount of independent scholarship on SARS-CoV-2, the infection, and now the vaccines. Dr. Benoun, welcome to Courageous Discourse. Thank you, Dr. Bacolo, for inviting me. Excuse me, my, my bad uh, spoken English because I didn't have a, an academic career, so I, <laughs> it's not fluent. So uh, I will uh, I, I, I start with uh, presenting my papers. Yeah, so there's yes. two papers, uh, the American audience, and of course, our audience on this show is worldwide, huge uh, um uh, following from uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, across Europe, South America. The two papers that people cite the most that you've worked on is one regarding the possibility of shedding, of shedding of the messenger RNA and the spike protein. So let's take tackle that paper first, and then after that we'll tackle your most recent paper about genetic technology. So first on shedding. Okay, so I, I will read a little... Uh, little highlights, and uh, you can stop me if it's not uh, you want more details. So, vaccine mRNA carrying lipid nanoparticles spread after injection throughout the body, according to available animal studies, and vaccine mRNA uh, or naked or in nanoparticles or in natural exosomes, we will define what is it, is formed in the bloodstream as well as vaccine spike in free form or encapsulated in exosomes. That is shown in human studies. That is published. Uh, the lipid nanoparticles or their natural equivalents, exosomes, that is extracellular vesicles, have been shown to be able to be excreted through body fluids, fluids sweat, sputum, breast milk. And they have been shown to pass the transplacental barrier. This 
extracellular vesicles are also able to penetrate by inhalation and through the skin, healthy skin or injured skin that is published, as well as orally through breast milk, breast milk, excuse me, and why not? That is a question, but it's not published and nobody uh, investigated this problem. Why not during sexual intercourse through semen? This, this has not been studied, but uh, if mRNA uh, would have been regulated as gene therapy, this would have to be studied. Uh, where, um, the distribution of the product is perhaps possible in the semen, but nobody studied that. So it's urgent to reinforce the legislation uh, on gene therapy that applies to mRNA vaccines. Let me let me stop you there and ask some questions. I think people were most surprised about your research into transference by the skin. What type of um, contact, skin contact, do you think is necessary for transference? I, I don't know exactly, but um, the, um, some studies uh, show that um, nanoparticles or naked mRNA can pass the, bar the skin barrier because they are used to, 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 to study um, vaccines or gene therapy, uh, transcutaneous vaccination with nanoparticle is, is tested and, and it works. It provokes immunization, so it works. We know that it works. It's not exactly the same nanoparticles, but they are very, very close to nanoparticles of mRNA vaccine. Now, can you explain something for us? We were told originally the vaccines had to be cooled to minus 80 degrees Celsius and that uh, the messenger RNA was very unstable. Uh, and then within a few months, we didn't see that anymore. And now we hear it, it's easily transferred. So. Can you clear that up for us? We don't know exactly why the change, but I think they the, the imagine that uh, mRNA is very unstable. But as the change um, uh, uridine in pseudo uridine, uh, it's it's very very more stable than natural uh, mRNA. Oh, okay. So and so they found uh, with. Um, uh, time passing from the beginning of the, of the campaign, that the, the mRNA is very stable, and that's that's what we see in the body. It it remains uh, several weeks and months in the body. Uh, it uh, it resists to the um, mRNA nuclease. So, uh, I think it's, it's very stable. Are, are there any known ribonucleases? Um, that actually break down pseudo-urinated messenger RNA? Has that ever been shown? Uh, natural mRNA, there are, there are um, nuclears in, in, on the skin, uh, in, in the gastric uh, mm -hmm. uh, fluids, uh, everywhere. That these four, the mRNA are not, natural mRNA are not stable. But this vaccine mRNA is very, very stable. Right, but my question is, uh, our natural ribonucleases that we have, can they break down Pfizer or Moderna synthetic uh, messenger RNA? I don't know. I don't know that. What I know, it's, it's um, uh, that Kevin McKinnon explains 
that is um, the DNA, DNA is, is contaminating the vaccine because the DNAs don't work when there is a presence of um, modified mRNA. So mRNA can um, stop the action of DNAs. So it, perhaps it, it stops the action, the action of mRNAs, um, of, uh, of ribonuclease. It's possible. Okay. Okay, it's, it's clear. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They, it sounds like they almost uh, have properties to make them very efficient and very long-lasting uh, in the body. Uh, how long do you think somebody, if they just have taken a, a booster, let's say, how long do you think they could shed it through uh, oral secretions or through the skin or, you know, exhaled exosomes? It's difficult to say exactly. It's what we can say that if mRNA is is a blood, is is in the organs, we know they can go in the fluids, in natural exosomes as um, lipid nanoparticles of the vaccines. They seek to mimic natural exosomes, exosomes that is um, particles um, formed in the in all the cells and they encapsulate uh, nucleic acid or protein or lipids and they serve to communicate be between cells of the body. So it's very natural and they go in the fluids. Uh, it's natural. So mRNA, when it, it, uh, it is free in the cells, it is naturally encapsulated in natural exosomes and it, uh, it, it go out of the cells and everywhere in the body. So, so it's too, it's possible that when you have mRNA in your body, in your in the blood or in organs, it go in the fluids. It's it's possible. It certainly seems that way. Now, how about how about after the viral infection? If someone's had the viral infection, how long is there evidence of the the virus still being in the body? Um, we know that uh, I, I, I wrote, uh, that um, viral mRNA can be found in the body. I think um, when uh, um, uh, when a person is immunocompromised, when the virus is uh, circulating and, and replicating a long time, you can find mRNA everywhere in the body also. But um, when you you, are, you don't have any symptom, I think nobody was looking for this mRNA in the body of uh, healthy individuals. I think nobody looked for that. Mm -hmm. do, do you suspect that in healthy individuals that that they're carrying the virus over a prolonged period of time, or do you think the body clears it? For me, I think when you you encounter the virus and you have no symptoms, I think the virus stay in the nose. You 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 eliminate the virus before it it go in the body, so you don't have any mRNA circulating. But it's uh, it's to be proven. Uh, it's a supposition. I, I wanted to ask you a question, Doctor Benin. You know, we were told this virus is so infectious that people had to socially distance and use hand sanitizers. 
So as if the virus is everywhere, uh, how come the, the PCR swab had to go way, way back up in the nose? Uh, why, if the virus is so infectious and everywhere, yes. why do we have to go way back? It's, it's, there is no reason. Uh, others that uh, so, social constraint of to to make um, to make rising the, the the fear of the virus. I I don't know, but there's no reason. As uh, n numerous studies proved that um, saliva is very is a very good um, mean to 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 find the virus. It it works better in the saliva than than in the in the nose. Wow! So the saliva is better than the nose. And yes, in in China, for example, the, all the video we see they they they, they take for the saliva, not not the nose. And, right. and, and numerous, numerous numerous publications show that it's it's a good way to to find the virus the saliva. In, but in but what but you are much when you I don't know the word in English when you. But um, it's not the, yeah. the same Spit. way that uh, than when you 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 are immobile and and you. I, I think it's a, it's a mean to 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 rise a fear. I think to wow. To take, to so it was it. a fear tactic. I was been I've been impressed that the the Chinese have extensively used anal swabs, so the virus <laughs> must come all the way through the GI tract. Yes. Yes. Also. Yes. Also. Yes. Wow. Now, now, so your paper's been widely quoted on shedding, and I'll put it in the show notes, uh, because of the comprehensive nature of the paper. You took a very broad approach and then cited every bit of the scientific literature to support your points. Uh, but to summarize, it, it sounds like you're convinced that shedding is happening of the, the, of the genetic material, certainly the messenger RNA, uh, is there also shedding of the spike protein? Uh, it's it's possible because uh, as the mRNA, when the spike is free, it is naturally encapsulated in exosomes, and exosomes can uh, go through the sputum, uh, penetrate by inhalation, by skin contact, by orally. All that is proven. All that is published. As they use they, they use. Um, vaccine, or, um, pa the, the, there is trials of M of a COVID vaccine with spike encapsulated in exosomes, um, artificial but like natural exosomes, and they they try to immunize some individuals with spike inhalated in exosomes. So so it's the same thing uh, when people vaccinated. Product, product spike and encapsulated in naturally uh, extracellular vesicles. And when uh, if if he's if he's sick, he's, through the sputum, he can uh, transmit uh, the, the exosomes. But it's it will be little quantities. Uh, uh, for me, the mRNA is most most dangerous because it can uh, product many many spike. Uh, mm -hmm. When you when you have uh, just uh, sputum with spike in exosomes, you have a defined quantity of spike. But yeah, when, that, when when it's mRNA, you you can project more 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 spike. Now, now, what is the metabolic fate of spike protein? How does the body naturally get rid of it? 
Uh, nobody studied that, <laughs> and um, unfortunately, it, it would have been mandatory if if mRNA uh, would have been regula regulated as gene therapy product. Uh, we can expect uh, is destructed destructed by protease, but when uh, the spike is produced in the cell, in the cells it can be encapsulated in exosomes that protect the spike. So perhaps it is not, it is not destroyed by, um, by protease. We, we don't know. Uh, we know that spike after vaccination circulates in the bloodstream. So it's not uh, destroyed uh, rapidly. It circulates uh, in the in exosomes, in natural exosomes, uh, four months, four months it, it, it is published. So um, spike protected by natural exosome can circulate four months. It, it's not just destroyed by uh, protease. Hmm. Uh, are there other proteins that get into the body that have a, a similar situation, let's say Lyme disease or babesiosis or are there other conditions where, where, where there, there's a protein and it's encapsulated in an exosome and then it's free to circulate for a long period of time? Are there any other examples? I don't know, but it's, it's possible, but I, I didn't look for the... I'm, I'm concentrated on, on the COVID <laughs> till the yeah. series, but uh, it's possible. Okay, and one last question on your first paper, and we're discussing Dr. Helene Benoon's paper on shedding, probably the most widely quoted paper out there. And uh, the question is, what is the fate, the metabolic fate of the lipid nanoparticle? Pfizer and Moderna studied just um, components of the nanoparticles. They, they didn't study um, the whole nanoparticles. So we don't know exactly. We don't know exactly. It, it would have been stud studied <laughs> where where what where this is where does where do the nanoparticles circulate? Uh, how they are excreted? In which fluids? We don't know. But but don't you anticipate they must be broken down by endogenous lipases uh, and other enzymes? Yes, it's possible, but. Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and what is the metabolic fate of uh, polyethylene glycol? That PEG is on Pfizer and Moderna. Do, do you know what happens to that? Uh, PEG, I, I, I think they didn't um, study it, but uh, the components of the nanoparticles, the new uh, excipients of the nanoparticles, they studied, and it seems that they concentrate in the liver, they are excreted by the feces, but not all is, is excreted. And um, from a study of a gene therapy that is um, named Patisiran, they showed that the nanoparticles of the Patisiran, they stay, they can stay, um, persist uh, four or five months in the body to eliminate all the nanoparticles. It, it's five or four, four, four or five months. Wow! For, and so this for, is, this for is... similar nanoparticles. 
Right. So this is a drug we're using to treat uh, amyloidosis. So as a as a cardiologist, I can prescribe. It's called pterosin. So, well, that, that's terrific. That was a very thorough review, I think, of shedding so much unknown about the metabolic fate of the messenger RNA, the lipid nanoparticle, and then the, the preservative, in, in this case, polyethylene glycol. Let's move on to your second paper. What was the title of your second paper? This one got a lot of views and a lot of discussion. So my, sec my second paper is uh, uh, mRNA is vaccine or gene therapy. Um, the mode of action of mRNA vaccine should classify them as gene therapy products. But all the vaccines against an inf in in infection disease has been excluded from GTP regulation by US and European regulations. So some of the controls required for GTP were not required for mRNA COVID vaccines and potential safety issues arise from the absence of these controls. And this is a problem because after the COVID, manufacturers are planning to replace certain classic vaccines with mRNA vaccines, starting with influenza vaccines. And in addition, cancer vaccines are being announced. And we must be very must be very vigilant about the term vaccine associated with therapeutic drugs, particularly with regard to the regulations that applies to them. These therapeutics are not vaccines against infectious disease and must therefore continue to comply with GTP regulations. I think we must be very vigilant because they employ the term vaccine against cancer is not vaccine. So, uh, first, uh, I can say that according to the French and European pharmacopée, a vaccine contains an antigen, and mRNA vaccine doesn't contain antigens. They are uh, just nucleic acid. So, we can say in Europe that uh, they are not vaccines, and they are not GTP. What are they? <laughs> So the um, European Medicinal Agency, EMA, they, they, they use a new way to regulate these products. They use the whirling review. That is, um, as the, the controls uh, were published one by one, they control the control, they review the controls. And they add some um, controls uh, required for gene therapy to the regulation of uh, mRNA vaccine, but not all the controls. For example, they uh, control the purity and the, uh, of the product. And we know that for your human, the human uh, medicines, the purity must be uh, 95% at the minimum. And for mRNA vaccines, there is uh, 50 persons. It's, it's impossible to accept that for new formulation, a new product, the purity is accepted at 50 persons. It's, it's impossible, but, yeah, but so, they, so they did, yeah, they did that. Wait a minute. You just kind of blew me away here. Uh, so you're saying the standard for purity is 50 percent? 
for messenger RNA. So, so what does that mean in reality in terms of messenger RNA concentration or what have you? How can we relate 50% purity? It's, it's incredible, but um, the, the acceptance criterion is 50%. Uh, uh, what is the, 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 the other 50%? We don't know. It's, it's a truncated uh, RNA, it's a oh. DNA. We don't know what is it. So, so it's 50% pure messenger RNA, then 50% truncated or fragments. Um, uh, I mean, my understanding is the manufacturing process is imperfect, and yes. it's certainly possible that there's there's RNA fragments. It's not all intact, full length code. Yes, because, because the the technique used to product mRNA is an an experimental technique, reserved to research laboratories. It's not a, a technique uh, to be used to for human use. It's in it will not that be used. Mm -hmm. uh, the, for example, you you have heard of Kevin Markkanen's um, uh, discovery that he found a SV40 promoter in the plasmid, the DNA template plasmid. Uh, SV40 promoter is used to to in genetic engineering. It's uh, it is to. Um, it should never have handed it in a product intended to human so use. Let me it's clarify this. So, so, yeah, so SV40 uh, DNA, a plasmid of DNA, a small, a small piece of DNA, SV40, has been found in the vials of messenger RNA. It's not. It's not all the the virus. It's just a promoter. It's a, a, a piece of sequence of the virus. <clears throat> it is. Um, uh, I don't know. The, I don't find the. the but but the, the, SV, promoter, the SV promoter is is used to increase the level of transcription in cells that are transfected ah, to the plasmid. But it's a, a laboratory technique. It's it's to product um, transcription trans, transcription in in vitro in the laboratory, and they use. Uh, th this promoter to enhance the quantity of uh, mRNA produce, produced for the vaccine, but it stayed in the, the contaminant DNA in the vaccine because uh, Kevin McKernan ex explains that the modified mRNA um, stops stop the action of the DNAs used to purify the vaccine. To purify right. the so, vaccine, to, to to remove the DNA, they use DNAs. But the mRNA vaccine stopped these DNAs. Right. So they obviously don't get all the the fragments. So so SV40, which is used in the manufacturing process to crank up a ton of production of messenger RNA, some of that is in the vials discovered by Kevin McKernan. Now SV40 is a promoter. And the concern is in human somatic cells, it may actually activate genes within our genome. Is, is yes, that right? It's known uh, oncogenic DNA virus, which induce cancers in animals. And it may, it may be functionally important in the development of human uh, malignancies. It's, it's possible. Oh, no. It, it oh, no. So just, just so people can hear this. So it's 
it's possible that this is a promoter for cancer genes. Yes, yes, it's, it's possible. No, so that that, is, that was that was um, the safety product uh, safety um, issues with the drug substance, but uh, there are also many issues with the pharmacokinetics. That is uh, the biodistribution of the product. Uh, we know mm -hmm. we have seen that uh, mRNA uh, is is uh, persistent in the body. That spike is persistent in the body. Four independent studies have shown the passage of vaccine mRNA into the breast milk in the first week following vaccination. Uh, and we know that nanoparticles similar to those of mRNA vaccine have been shown to be able to cross the placental barrier in mice. So it's possible that fetus uh, have been vaccinated through the vaccination of the mother. Do you think that's pretty likely? Uh, in a um, document obtained by FOIA from the FDA, FDA recognized that fetuses could have been exposed to the vaccine during the pregnancy. Oh because boy. It's, 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 they didn't, it's, they didn't they don't say it, it's impossible. They, they recognize it. Okay. Even our so FDA recognized it. Dr. Benoon, I got to ask you a question. Why was in the initial formulations why was the dose 100 micrograms for Moderna, but just 30 micrograms for Pfizer? I think it's because they, they make the phase one in the same time as the as phase two and phase three of the clinical trial. Normally, you, you, you have to do the phase one to choose the, the dose, but they, they lead them during the, the same time of uh, phase two, so, so phase three, excuse me. So they, they cannot choose the, the good um, the good doses. I think uh, it's, it's the reason. It's Moderna is overdosed. Yes, it's, 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 it's sure. Do, do you think patients who, who took Moderna, do you think they get more spike protein production than the patients who take Pfizer? It's possible, yes, because they, they have they had more mRNA, it's possible, yes, yes. Now, I have another question regarding the messenger RNA. Uh, does it have code in it that's that's humanized so the ribosomes can recognize some human sequences, or is it completely foreign code for the Wuhan spike? Uh, I, I don't understand. You, you, you mean if um, modified nucleotide are on, on the, yes, all the, Uridine have been modified in pseudo uridine in the all all the sequence of the mRNA. Right, but are are there some sequences of the RNA that are they designed by Pfizer or Moderna so the ribosomes can continue protein synthesis, they continue reading, or is it all foreign viral code? I cannot. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not. I am not an expert in uh, in traduction, uh, in translation. I, I don't know. Because I've been impressed by <coughs> a paper by um, uh, Nunes from Florida International University, uh, demonstrating about thirty different um, homologies of the spike protein to human proteins and. One of the hypotheses is that Pfizer and Moderna 
have to have some code that has homology to known messenger RNA code that ribosomes would normally read. Otherwise, a ribosome would not read a completely foreign code from for a virus. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I cannot, uh, I cannot answer. I don't know. Yeah, we, I guess we. I guess we. <laughs> so those are the secrets that Pfizer and Moderna hold. You know, Pfizer is suing Moderna. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Moderna is suing Pfizer uh, for patent infringement. Moderna suing Pfizer. So um, I've always thought that maybe uh, maybe Pfizer did copy some of Moderna's code, but Pfizer came up with a more efficient, um, you know, a yes. more efficient code. Yes, yes, it's, it's possible, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but the only way to become more efficient is to change some base pairs. So it's, so it's, uh, uh, so some of it must be humanized. It, it, I don't think it's all foreign because uh, you know, otherwise it, it, it would be the exact same product, right? So I think we, we don't have exactly the sequence of, uh, of Pfizer, but uh, we don't have the, the exact sequence. It's, it's a um, proprietary, I think. Moderna has published, but not uh, Pfizer, but I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Now, I have one final question for you as we come to a close. We've been looking at the toxicities of the vaccines and four broad categories, cardiovascular, neurologic, uh, thrombotic, and immunologic. How much of these toxicities are due to the spike protein and how much is due to the lipid nanoparticle and the messenger RNA itself? It's, it's difficult to say. We know that spike is toxic. We know before COVID-19 that, 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 that the spike of SARS-CoV-1 was toxic. Uh, we know it um, interacts with um, renin and jutensin system, and it's responsible for um, most of the toxicity as um, uh, we have, um, you should um, interview Jean-Marc Sabatier, uh, who is a researcher at CNRS, the Centre National Research in France. He published in 2020, at the beginning of the year, the implication of the spike on the renin angiotensin system. And he, uh, he, 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 he it told us all the adverse effects, all the pathogenicity of the virus, and all the adverse effects of the vaccine. He's a specialist of the toxicity of the spike um, through the interaction with ACE2 and the renin angiotensin system. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, for the nanopart nanoparticle alone, we don't know. We know that uh, some new components are toxic, but um, what is due to the spike, what is due to the nanoparticles, uh, the, what we know is that um, vaccines that doesn't contain nanoparticles, like um, adenovirus vaccines or, or uh, protein vaccines are like Novavax, mm -hmm. they give some adverse effects uh, like uh, mRNA vaccines. So you have uh, myocarditis also. Uh, mm. We can say the spike, the the, the first toxicity is, is for is is from the spike, but perhaps uh, also 
the components of the nanoparticles. We don't know. So that's a good point. So with Novavax, there's no messenger RNA and no. we still get myocarditis. So yes. that was in the FDA briefing book that's been reported from Asia. Uh, Novavax is infrequently used, uh, but it's, it's, it's in the United States. It's our only non-genetic vaccine uh, that we have available. Dr. Benoon, do you have any final comments for our audience? It's been a terrific interview, and thank you so much for working so hard with the English through. You've done great. Uh, any final comments for us? Excuse me? Any? Do you have any final comments or ah, summary? Um, we have now that um, vaccine has been um, administrated to the whole population. We have to monitor the adverse effects. And uh, in the end of my paper, I ask to make uh, active pharmacovigilance, that is to, to monitor um, uh, the adverse effects um, according to the vaccine statute of the, 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 the individuals. Because uh, in all the publications, you, you they, they, they published ad, um, long COVID or ad, uh, effects of the, of the virus, but they never said what is the vaccine statute of the individuals. We have to monitor the, the, the health state of the individuals according to the vaccine state statute. And uh, it will be fine that um, um, a clinical trial on pregnant women was started by Pfizer, it's completed, but they didn't publish the, the results. So what mm -hmm. happens to, to this pregnant uh, woman? I think it's very important for, for the, the future because they, they want to, to generalize, uh, generalize uh, mRNA vaccines for other, other infectious diseases. So I think, um, I think politicians and scientific and all the population um, uh, understand that mRNA is a gene therapy product and it has been to it, it, it must be regulated like gene therapy. And we, they, they must study germline integration, genotoxicity, reproductive de developmental toxicity, carcinogenicity, and uh, all that. This is mandatory for all gene therapy product. And they didn't make it from, for mRNA COVID vaccine. Right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. You're right. The testing wasn't adequate for the COVID-19 genetic vaccines. Boy, they better improve uh, if genetic vaccines are going to be used um, for other, we should call it, uh, you know, gene therapy or gene transfer technology. We've been talking to Dr. Helene Benoon, former InSERM scientist in France. She's done a wonderful job for us uh, reviewing two of her papers. She's published many papers over the course of the pandemic. I'll put them in the show notes. Dr. Benoon, thank you so much for joining us on Courageous Thank you so much. Discussion.